0: So why do bad things happen to good people? You know, I wish it was a little neater. I wish it was kind of a little more tidy. I wish I had a better Christian, Christiany type of answer for you and say, "Trust God and it won't. Let's get out of here." But that's not quite the way it is. I think most of us understand that. Life is not like that. Why? Why well, can, well, can, you know, we don't know a whole lot about Lou Gehrig's personal life. We know that, I, as some of you know, I, I've quoted uh, the, the, the Babe Ruth, the Big Bam book recently, and interesting in reading that, I just finished that actually last week, and um, it's interesting the contrast between Babe Ruth and, and Lou Gehrig teammates, uh, Babe Ruth, of course, was, was you name it, a gambler, womanizer, drinker, the whole thing, and here's Lou Gehrig who lived with his mom and dad until he got married moved out and uh, but he was very private about his faith we know that he was Catholic was raised Catholic We know that he went to Catholic Church Um, don't know if he was how devout he was because he never talked about it that much but um, um, obviously he was a person who had at at least from what the evidence is, some degree of faith Uh, maybe a lot I'm not sure exactly because he didn't say but he was a good person whatever else you want to say is a good person so what's the deal on that So as I say, it's not neat and tidy like I'd like it to be, but I want to jump into this. I'm going to hit three things very quickly. Why do bad things happen to good people? And they're not answers like you may think that they are answers, but I want to help you think through this. The first thing is is real simple. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, because we live in a very broken world. We live in a very broken world. Uh, Basically, this thing called, it's an old-fashioned word, but I'll use it, sin entered the world through mankind, that's you and me, whether you believe that was literal or whether you believe that was figurative, the one thing you can't deny is that sin entered the world somewhere back there. And uh, Genesis 3 tells us all about it. Romans chapter 8 kind of comments on this because in Genesis 3, the world comes under God's curse because of mankind, mankind's sin. In the form of Adam and Eve, again, don't get hung up on whether it's literal or figurative or or federal headship if you understand theology or or whatever it is or was. Um, Just understand that it happened. And because of that, this thing called fallenness, humanness, sin, entered the world. And it affected the whole world. It affected humans. It affected everything else. So much so that the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, against its will, everything on earth was subjected to God's curse. All creation anticipates the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So it's the whole earth. And it happened because of this this thing called sin that entered the world because of the choices, let me say this very clearly, of the choices that you and I made, figuratively speaking. And and, and, And sin, fallenness, brokenness, comes into the world. That's why we have disease. That was never God's intent to have Lou Gehrig's disease on earth or cancer or, or many of the other things that we have friends and loved ones and some of us here suffer from. That was never God's intent. That came when the, when, the, when the world when, when mankind fell and, and invited upon him and herself, if that's the proper English there, um, all, the, all the things that go with that fallenness, heartache. Heartbreak, physical sickness, people betraying each other, people lying to each other, people treating other people in ways that are extremely unkind, in some cases treating them like animals, or worse. Some cases it's not even right to treat animals the way some people treat them. So we live in a very broken world, and you can see from what Paul says there that it's it's full of broken people. You know, And by the way, I could interject this. This won't sit well with you, but that's okay. Um, you'll get over it. I could, I could enter this. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, in truth, unless we're rating on a the curve, <laughs> there aren't any good people. <laughs> by God's standard. By my standard, I know a lot of good people. By God's standard, we have, what, is, what does the Bible say? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's a tough one to deal with, but it's true. So, so that's the first thing. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, because we live in a broken world, and we invited that as human beings. Number two, because sometimes good people do stupid things. Say, so, hmm, what is that? Now, here's something. Maybe, maybe your mother or your father used to tell you. Hopefully, your your minister did, uh, wherever if he ever went to church or whatever. Um, Galatians chapter 6 says this, Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. You will always reap what you sow. Did you ever hear that when you were a kid? I used to hear that. You'll reap what you sow. Like, oh, what does that mean? Well, I knew what it meant because I was raised on a farm. <laughs> you know, some people probably didn't know exactly what that meant. Um, sometimes people do stupid things. Sometimes they do things that are wrong. Sometimes they lie. Sometimes they cheat. Sometimes they drink too much. Drinking too much is one thing. Getting in a car, drinking too much, that's another thing. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes people steal. Sometimes people want other people dead. Witness what we've seen this week in, 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 uh, with all the airline stuff going on and what we, of course, witnessed not very many years ago. Why do they want that? Because they're, they're fallen people. You say, I'm not that bad. No, you're not. And that, But that's not the issue. The issue is not a matter of degree. The issue is a matter of, am I acceptable to God because of good actions? And of course, I'm not. That's why Jesus came. Okay. Sometimes good people do stupid things. And they hurt one another. And they call each other names. There's an old saying. I don't know if you've ever heard it. You know that thing you learned when you were a kid? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names can never hurt me. Is that a lie from the pit of hell or what? The guy who said that had never been called chubby as a kid. He'd never been called four eyes. He'd never been called, you know, skinny. Of course, you get to some point in time where you kind of like that. But uh, people call each other names sometimes. And as a result of that, people get hurt. Why is that? Because sometimes good people do stupid things. Sometimes they intend to do it. Sometimes they don't intend to do it. But that's the second thing. Third thing. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because God's got something else going on. I like this one. Because sometimes God has something else going on. Let me, I'm going to take you to a passage, one of my... I know I say this all the time, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. And it comes about Joseph. If Joseph, you don't know the story of Joseph, he was quite a, quite a young man. He was a, a brother. He had 11 brothers, brother of a huge family, had 11 brothers. They deserted him. They beat him senseless. They, uh, they tried to kill him, basically. Then they ended up selling him into slavery. He ends up getting falsely accused, thrown into jail for something he didn't do. And, um, and then he ends up, through a whole set of circumstances, be- becoming the second most powerful man in the known world, Egypt, at that time. And then he comes face to face with the brothers who had betrayed him. You know, we talk about revenge and how we shouldn't get revenge. And it's easy to talk about that because most of the time, the guy that we really want to get revenge about with, we will never have that opportunity. The guy that fired you or the guy, the guy that screwed you on a business deal or whatever it happens to be. We'll usually never really get the opportunity to get back at them. But when we do, the real test of character is when you have that opportunity to take revenge, will you? Joseph did. He becomes the second most powerful man in the known world at that time. He comes face to face with his brothers and his brothers are like, oh crap, here we go. We're, we're, we're going down. We're going down for the count on this one. And how does Joseph respond to them? Well, he messes with them a little bit, but but in, but finally he comes to this point, Genesis 50, 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. I love that verse. I love that saying because... The truth is, I don't usually have a problem with the person who unintentionally hurt me. Not usually. But I will have a huge problem if a person desires to hurt me and hurts me. Whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's some other thing. Joseph is saying, let's get, let's get all the cards on the table here. You intended to hurt me. You meant you meant." You had malice in your heart toward me. You were going to you were going to get me, but God meant it for good. That's a guy with the right view of God right there. God, and he that's a guy that, that knew that God had something else going on. And that's I'll tell you when when we really understand this, so many times in life the thing that seems to be a total failure to us ends up being the very thing that is the greatest fulfilling thing that could have happened to us um, and that's because god's got other stuff going on let me show you real quick from passage i'm not gonna show you all of them. I read the whole chapter isaiah 40 let me just read you a couple of verses you can follow along yes isaiah 40 verse 10 yes the sovereign lord is coming in all his glorious power he will rule with awesome strength then in verse 12 who else has held the oceans in his hand who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed all the mountains? Excuse me, has weighed out the mountains? And the, This is a picture of God. God's done this. He's that big. He's that huge. Verse 18, to whom then can we compare God? What image might we find to resemble him? And of course, the answer is there isn't one. I just love that. It used to be a kid's song. I still think of it sometimes. My God is so big. <laughs> There's nothing my God cannot do. It's a great, sometimes a great prayer too. God, you're so big, there's nothing you can't do. You know, it's easy to trust God with the things that you understand, but it's much more difficult to trust God with the things you don't understand. I've used this quote many times from Chrysostom. A comprehensible God is no God at all. You know? Um, just because God doesn't do things my way doesn't mean it's the wrong way. Just because things are out of my control doesn't mean that they're out of control. And we need to stop and we need to think about that. Now, I need to make two distinctions here because we've seen one example here on the screen of the Lou Gehrig story and so forth. I need to make two distinctions here. Um, there are two things that work here. There are there are the, the, this thing, what I call it, and these are my strictly my terms, okay? So don't you know get too, too hung up, don't hold me don't get too too grammatical on me um disaster and perceived disaster There's two different kinds of things going on a, a perceived disaster is where your known world seems to be falling apart and it's just it's and it's a terrible thing a perceived disaster this is my my other new but my other summer read I know I, kinda, I I love you're probably thinking like my wife well, don't you ever read something besides uh, biographies and I'm like I enjoy these, okay? Um, I just got through with the Big Bam, uh, Babe Ruth story. I needed to read something with a person who had character. The Babe was a character, but didn't have a lot of character, if you know what I mean, okay? So I, I picked up this book while on vacation, and I'm about halfway through it already, When Character Was King, story of Ronald Reagan. And this is just, this is a great book. This is the it was on the New York Times bestseller list, and it's just a great book. I highly recommend it. And even if you're a Democrat, you know, you've got to like Ronald Reagan, you know? Really, if you don't like Ronald Reagan, we need to have a little prayer meeting afterwards. Okay, um, I, I feel the same about Harry Truman. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not being. Uh, partially here in my, in my view. But here's Reagan. Graduates from Eureka College, mid-30s, depression's on. Get this, 25% of the people, and we're not talking unemployment things like today where they count many cases, summer jobs and all the other kind of things. Um, in this particular case, 25% of the male breadwinners, which is what they predominantly were in the 30s, 25% are out of work. Reagan's looking for a job. He can't find it. He goes to Chicago. Can't, he lives in, in Illinois. Can't find a job in Chicago. Um, he heard Montgomery Ward was going to open a big store in Dixon, Dixon, Illinois. That's where he went to college. That's where he was, uh, was raised. They wanted a local sports star to run the sports department at Montgomery Ward, and they'd pay him twelve fifty dollars a week. Well, he was a sports star, and he could support his family on that money, his whole family, including his mom and dad. His dad was out of work. His dad was an alcoholic. And... Um, Interesting, and a little side note to that. When you read some of these stories of some of these people of history, Babe Ruth had a horrible childhood, basically had a father who was an alcoholic. Ronald Reagan had a horrible childhood, basically a father who was an alcoholic. And, 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 and yet they responded in many different ways, didn't they? Totally different ways. not that interesting? Anyway, just something to think about. That's, that won't cost anything extra, a little extra there. Um, so he, 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 they wanted a local sports star to run the sports department at the Montgomery Ward and they'd pay $12.50 a week. He was a sports star and he could support his whole family on that money. Plus, he'd be joining a big company where with the time and effort, he could work his way to the top. He was hopeful. This is it. Going to be the sports manager at a Montgomery Ward store in Dixon, Illinois. Okay? But another sports star got the job and Reagan was crushed. His mother told him again, that all the things, that all things are a part of God's plan, even the most disheartening setbacks. If something went wrong, if you, didn't, if you didn't get down, you kept going. Later on, she said, something good would happen, and you'd find yourself thinking, if I hadn't had that problem back then, then this better thing wouldn't have happened to me. He believed every word. Next, next line of the book says, at Eureka College, he'd gone out for plays. And you know what happens from here on He <clears throat> starts pursuing a, a career in broadcasting and Hollywood movies and so forth and ends up, President of the United States, ends up probably being solely responsible, if not at least in part, responsible for the, for the breakup of what we knew as the Soviet Union, 1990. Just think about it this way. Ronald Reagan had gotten the st- had gotten the job as the sports manager of Montgomery Ward in Dixon, Illinois. He probably never would have gone to Hollywood. He probably never would have achieved whatever fame he had in the movies and become famous governor of of, of California, become a president, and and and, and 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 in part, if not totally, had uh, been a part of the of the crushing of the Soviet Union in 1990. Isn't that amazing how that happens. Now that was what I call a perceived disaster. He didn't get the position that he really wanted. By the way, there's so much more in this, and as I say, I do I highly recommend it. And, uh, and if you're um, a Democrat or an independent, you need to read it too, okay? Um, and I'm an independent, so that, there you go. He didn't get the job he wanted, perceived disaster. You didn't get the deal you needed. Your year isn't going very well at all, Perceived disaster. Somebody's sick, not terminally, but it's going to affect some things about your life. Perceived disaster. Now, we've seen an example already on the screen of a real disaster Lou Gehrig's disease. A life crippling, life ending disaster. So there's those two different kinds. And, and don't let me, please, don't, it sounds like I'm minimizing the perceived disaster. I'm not your kid flunks out of college it's like oh my gosh that's terrible i mean you know we we can laugh about it if we get through it but at the time it's terrible your children act in such a way that you're like what in the world have i got going on here your parents hit us you know do this or do that or a marriage or someone leaves and, and, and it 's an awful thing. I mean, these are all things. When I say, when I talk about perceived disaster, please don 't misunderstand i 'm not minimizing. They can hurt badly. Sometimes you don 't even know whether it 's a perceived disaster or a real disaster when it 's going on. Lou Gehrig had a real disaster. His life ended. So, so you say, well, well I, don't get, I don't get that then. So, so what do we do with all this? Well, say, so we, we understand three things so far, right? Number one, bad things happen to good people because we live in a very broken world. Truth is, none of us are really good. Bad things happen to good people because sometimes good people do bad stuff and stupid things. Bad things happen to good people because God's got something else going on, even through Perceived disaster and even sometimes through real disaster, even though we may not see it. I won't say sometimes, he does, even though we may not see what God has going on at that particular time and may not for years and years to come. Okay, so what's the caveat to this whole thing? You haven't given me a lot of hope here, Rich. You've brought us in here. You got us down. We're all, we heard a song about, uh, I got a question, God, where are you? And we see a a film clip of one of the great Yankees of all time, a great baseball player who died at an untimely death, and and, and it just just doesn't seem right. So great. I'm going to go out of here and have a great Sunday, huh? Um, Give me something here to hang on to. All right, here's the deal, folks. And this is the caveat to the whole thing. Whether it's real disaster with real loss, whether it's perceived disaster, or whether you don't know the difference right now, you still will always have a choice. You will always have a choice to respond in a positive way. This guy isn't a particularly biblical scholar, but I love this quote. We are the only beings on the planet who lead such rich internal lives that it's not the events that matter most to us, but rather it's how we interpret those events that will determine how, how we think about ourselves and how we will act in the future. Anthony Robbins, it's a great thought. Whatever you think of him, great thought. There's a verse that I I have gone to more than more than once in my life. Sometimes in my own personal situation, sometimes that I'm thinking about others and some of the stuff that they're going through. And the verse is, is in Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. I'll tell you I tell you before I show it to you. Let me just let me just tell you how I came across this verse. Had one of those. You know, we've all had those professors in college that were just so influential on us. And I had I had a couple. I was very fortunate. I had a couple that were just uh, tremendous uh, men of of, the, of faith and and men of of scripture of the scriptures and and one of them was a pastor and one of them was just a professor. I say just a professor. That was pretty big because he taught pastors. And uh, and 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 the one that was a professor, I'll never forget it because he at that time was old. I shouldn't say that because I don't. Maybe he was my age now. I don't know. But uh, I think he had to be older than I am now. But anyway. Uh, and what had happened to him like when he was in his 20s. I mean, this had been years before. It had been one of those things, some of us here have experienced it, where they lost a child, three-year-old child, to death. And he would always quote this verse, Deuteronomy 29, 29. There are some things the Lord our God has kept secret, but there are some things He has let us know. These things belong to us and our children forever so that we will do everything in these teachings. The secret things belong to God. But the revealed things, he says, belong to us. See, some things we'll we'll never know. We're we're not going to have. If you came here for answers on some of those deeper things, there aren't any in some cases, except cling to God and cling to the hope that he offers. Let God be God. There are some things that you will never, never understand, but seek to live with integrity the things that you know things that are very simple love god love people let's just start there i still somebody asked me the other day said do you, how deep do you get when you teach and i said you know i don't know whether you call this deep or not but i just i still struggle with love god and love people still one of my biggest challenges and jesus said that was the most important thing That gets my attention. I want to close with this thought and then I'm going to, as soon as I, I'm going to pray and have the guys come and just, I just got to do one more song for you. Julie's going to do a song. you got to hear you just got to hear it. So don't get too antsy here. But I just want to read this. Just follow along with me and then we're going to pray. Words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude toward life. The longer I live, the more convinced I become that life is 10% what happens to us, and 90% how we respond to it. I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day basis is my choice of attitude. It is more important than my past, my education, my bankroll, my successes or failures, fame or pain, what other people think of me or say about me, my circumstances or my position. Attitude keeps me going or cripples my progress god i pray that you would give us the ability to have the right attitude an attitude that seeks to honor you in all that we do an attitude that will trust you when we don't understand an attitude that will that will just rest and think about who our God is and how big you are when things seem out of our control. We thank you for Jesus who gives us the ability because he came and lived and died and suffered, suffered and died and went to the tomb and rose again to give us the ability to have a relationship with you. We thank you for that. We thank you for the truth that we can find here. We pray, God, that it will be a comfort, and that you will give us the ability during those times, whether there's some that are going through them now or some that will go through them in the future, that you will give us the ability to hold on, just to hold on. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.